0: Hey everybody, welcome to Eaglebrook Church. Really good to have you with us today. Before I dive in, I want to let you know about a series that we're beginning next weekend called What I Wish I'd Known Sooner. I talk to people all the time in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who email and say, oh, I wish I would have known this sooner. But they never say it in a negative way. It's always a positive. They're always so grateful that God has finally revealed this to them and that they've learned it now. If you're a teenager in your 20s or 30s, these are the kinds of things you need to build into your life today so that you're not saying, oh, I wish I would have known this sooner. And if you're in your 70s and 80s, hey, you're not dead yet. God, There's still room for God to teach you new things. We're going to be going through a book in the New Testament called 1 Timothy, and we think it's going to be a great series. Now, I said a couple weeks ago that we were going to be online for the foreseeable future. And given the announcement that came from the state of Minnesota this week, my answer to you is still, we are going to be online for the foreseeable future, which is hard. It's hard for me. I wish I knew a specific date that we were going to be open, but I want to let you know that our teams are prepared. We've been working really hard the last couple weeks to create a plan for what a touchless experience would look like at our church. And so whenever we get the green light, we would be ready to go. But at this point, there's just a lot of information that we haven't been able to receive yet, and we haven't gotten the green light, and so we'll kind of keep you updated on that. But here's two things that I want each of us to be thinking about and to know. First of all, would you continue to invite to our church? It is so easy to invite someone to online church. All you have to say is, hey, just tune in from the comfort of your house. You don't even have to get dressed up or come to a building that you're not used to. You can just watch the online experience. In fact, as you heard, next weekend is the perfect service to invite someone in your life who feels far from God. The perfect service for somebody that you've been hoping to come to know Christ, next weekend you've got to invite them. We've got a special service plan. And you say, well, it's Memorial Day. Why why did you take all that effort and time to put in an incredible service on Memorial Day? Because it doesn't matter where you are next weekend, you can tune in to church online. We think it's going to be an incredible experience. But here's the second thing I wanna ask of each of you. Would you pray? Would you take some time this week and pray for our church and for our leaders? I was talking to my wife this week and I said, hey, I'm I'm giving an update to the church. What would you wanna know as somebody who attends? And it was really eye-opening for me as a leader because she said, you know, I would wanna know that you're praying about this. And I had been praying about it, but probably not as much as I should have been. And so I've been committing this week to be praying, God, would you speak to me? Let me hear your voice. Would you speak to the people of our church? In fact, I asked our staff this week if they would fast and pray one day and just ask that we would hear God's voice as a church, and I want to invite you to do that as well. I want to invite you to fast and pray one day this week that our church would hear the voice of God, that our government leaders would hear the voice of God, and that you in your life would be comforted by God himself. I really believe if each of us took some time this week to pray for our country, And pray for God's hand and God's blessing that God would begin to move in a powerful way. And so I'm committed to that. I'm committed to praying for each of you. I love you. I miss you. And just know I'm praying for you every single day because I know that many of you are struggling in this time. In fact, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the number one battle that you need to win right now. It is the battle taking place in your mind. So many people that I talk to say, I'm anxious I'm anxious about my job, I'm anxious about the financial future, I'm anxious about the coronavirus. I've got a parent who's 80 years old or in a nursing home. I'm just nervous about the direction of our country. I talk to other people who say to me, I'm isolated right now. I feel alone, I feel empty. I I just think to myself, you know what, I don't like the way I look, I don't like the way I feel. And it's those thoughts that you need to win the battle against. It's those thoughts that we need to learn how to replace. My wife was putting together a grocery list for an Easter breakfast that we were doing, and my youngest son was next to her, and he goes, hey, Mom, can we get that bacon, the the kind that's really fatty and really greasy? And when I heard that, I had extreme dad guilt. You may have heard of mom guilt before. It's a real thing. But there's dad guilt as well. You see, my wife... Buys almost exclusively turkey bacon, which is not bacon. Okay, if you don't hear me say anything else in this message, you gotta hear me say this. Turkey bacon is a fraud. He's an imposter. He's trying to wiggle his way into the hearts of health fanatics everywhere, and he's dividing families. My job as a dad is to teach my son what real bacon is, and I had failed him. He had only had real bacon a couple times in his life. It was like a distant memory. All he could remember was the fat and the grease, which thankfully was enough to be etched upon his memory forever. But my son has this belief that turkey bacon is real bacon, and I'm telling you, if that thought is allowed to gain a foothold in his mind, it will lead him to a life of pain, frustration, and disappointment. Now, of course, I'm I'm kidding a little bit about this. But in the same way, if you allow these anxious, fearful thoughts to begin to gain a foothold into your life, it will lead to pain, frustration, and disappointment. We have to learn how to win the battle that's in our minds. Here's what the Bible says about this in Isaiah 26. God says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Would you use the word peace to describe your thought life right now? Many of us would use words like frustrated, anxious, irritable, you know, negative. How many of us would use the word peace? And notice the promise that God is making here. He's saying, if you will fix your thoughts on me, if you will trust in me, then I will keep you in perfect peace. I love the word perfect here. It's not just peace, perfect peace. But that doesn't just happen on its own. Naturally, we don't just wake up in the morning and go, oh, my thoughts are fixed on God. Naturally, left to ourselves, we will wake up and we will fix our thoughts on our problems. We will fix our thoughts on our pain. We will fix our thoughts on the news and what's happening in the world. We will not naturally fix our thoughts on God. I was talking to Ted Cunningham who spoke at our church last year and he made this statement. He said, emotions are like your kids. You listen to them, you validate them, but you don't let them make major decisions in your life. I love that. You can validate and acknowledge your fear and your anxiety. That's even healthy to say, "I'm, I'm really struggling with this. But don't let your fear and anxiety dictate your life. We have to learn how to fix our thoughts on God so that we can live in this perfect peace. Before we do that, I think it would be helpful to try and identify some of the areas of life where our thoughts are the most toxic. There's really four primary areas. It is negative thoughts, fearful thoughts, discontented thoughts, and critical thoughts. As I go through each of these, I want you to be asking this question. Which one of these am I the most prone to? So here's the first one, negative thoughts. You're kind of along the lines of, you know what, it's bad now, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, you just tend to think nothing good could ever come out of this negative thoughts. Second is fearful thoughts. So you think to yourself, well, what if I lose my job? And what if the coronavirus morphs with the flu and comes back even worse this fall? And, and what if we're living in the end times? And what if my kids are so far behind next year because I'm a bad homeschooling parent? Fearful thoughts. Next one is discontented thoughts. You, you, you tend to think, you know what, I would be happy if I had that. And if I could get that, then I'd be happy. But until I do, I, I really won't be discontented thoughts. And here's the final one, critical thoughts. Our governor's a moron. President's an idiot. Even as I say that, I know what some of you are doing right now. You're going, well, he is, you know, right? But there's this person, there's this organization, there's this church. And you just tend to be critical of them frequently. That you set yourself up here, and everybody else is kind of never quite makes it, never quite does it the way you would do it. It's critical thinking. And here's what happens it's our negative thoughts that lead us to be grumpy and irritable, it's our fearful thoughts that don't allow us to live in that perfect peace. It's our discontented thoughts that steal our joy, and it's our critical thoughts that impede us from loving another person. I'm telling you, if you could identify, reject, and replace your toxic thoughts, you would begin, you could begin to live in a perfect kind of peace. We could, but here's what most of us do instead. Most of us, we mask and we medicate. A few years ago, some museum employees were working with one of the world's most priceless artifacts. It was a mask of King Tut. And an accident happened, and the beard broke off of the mask. We don't know how this happened. We don't know if they bumped it, if somebody dropped it, if they were playing frisbee after hours and hit it. We we, we don't know. But we're talking about a 3,300-year-old artifact here. And this is where the story takes a strange turn. Because one of the museum employees said, hey, go get some Gorilla Glue. And I don't mean this to be judgmental. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, read into this. But I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that these museum employees were men. Because right away they, oh, just go get some Gorilla Glue. We, we can fix this thing. And so they tried to Gorilla Glue the mask back onto King Tut. Of course it didn't work. They then had to go get a spatula and scrape off some of the excess glue, which further damaged the mask. I was reading this story, and I thought, I wonder if that's how some of us deal with our problems. Stressed out? Frustrated? Go grab a bottle of wine. Go go get a bottle of something else. We'll just mask it. We'll just medicate it. Discontent? Grab the credit card, you know. let's go on Amazon, we'll just buy some things, we'll just glue it back together. Fearful? Well, we, we, we can control it, we can fix this, we'll, we'll just control the situation, except we can't. Instead of trying to mask or medicate, instead of trying to find a quick fix right now, here's what each of us need to do. We need to get to the root of the problem, which is in our minds. Many of us believe that the brain that we were born with is the brain that we have today, but that's not so. Your brain is ever-changing. It's why you may have learned Spanish in college, but now you can't remember any of it. It's because when you stopped using your Spanish, your brain cut off those circuits so that it could grow new circuits and run as efficiently as it can. Here's what that means. That means... That you can change the way that you think. It means that the way you thought yesterday doesn't have to be the way that you think tomorrow. You can win the battle that is in your mind. Here's the first way to do that. We must learn how to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, we are human... But we don't wage war as humans do. How do humans wage war? Well, they use weapons. They use power. They use strength. He says, we don't do that. We use God's mighty weapons. What are those? Well, Ephesians 6 gives us a list. It's things like prayer and God's word and truth. He says, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. So right away, we can see the battle's not out there. The battle's not with the economy or politicians. Those are very real. But he says, here's the most important battle it's taking place in your mind. And then he says this we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. Here's what I would invite you to do this week. The next time you catch yourself having an anxious or fearful thought, I want you to whisper. God, I will not live with a spirit of fear. I am taking that thought captive right now, and I am going to cast my anxieties onto you. The next time you feel like, you know what, I'm not good at anything, you need to just stop right there and go, that is a lie. I will not believe that. I am taking that thought captive right now. And then you might recite a verse like Romans 12:6, which says that God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well." Well the next time you catch yourself going, "You know what? there's nothing good that could come out of this. God doesn't care about me." You need to recite Romans 8:28. "We know, not we hope, not we think. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purposes. Take every thought captive. And make it obedient to Christ. If you could obey that one verse in the Bible. I am telling you it could change everything. And I don't say that lightly. In the 1970s there was a man named Sam Showman, Who was told by doctors that he had liver cancer. And only had months to live. A few months later after Sam had passed away they ran an autopsy on his body and they found that the doctors had been wrong. Mr. Showman did have a tumor in his liver but it was very small it was contained it had not spread to the rest of his body and it wasn't life threatening. In other words Sam Showman did not die of liver cancer. Sam Showman died because he believed he had liver cancer. I wonder if there's any of us here today who are dying because we have believed a lie. We've believed the lie that God's not in control. I need to be in control. And so we're dying of anxiety. We're we're dying right now of sadness because we believe that, that happiness is out there in the world someplace and it's not coming from God. We're dying of fear because we believe the lie that God's not gonna protect us, God's not for us. Where is it in your life that you need to say, you know what, I'm not gonna believe that. That thought that I'm thinking right now, it is not true, and I'm gonna take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Here's the second way to win the battle in your mind, and it's this, you have to form new grooves. When I was a new Christian in college, I attended a local church And I remember the pastor using an analogy of water rolling down a hill to describe how ingrained our thoughts can become. Ever seen water rolling down a hill? I mean, it might just be a little trickle and nothing that you would think would have a permanent effect. But if that little trickle is allowed to continue for days, months, and years, pretty soon there is a permanent groove in the side of that hill. In the same way, you might think, you know what? A little bit of pornography here, a little bit there. Big deal. But a little bit of pornography every year, every month, every day, and pretty soon, you have a groove formed in the cortex of your brain. A groove that determines what excites you to the point that real people like your spouse may not even do it anymore. And it's not just our thoughts, or pornography rather, where this is true. A discontented thought here, a negative thought over there, an anxious or fearful thought, and pretty soon a groove begins to form. When I was a kid growing up, I used to be afraid of mice. My mom was afraid of mice, and so I think it just kind of got passed down to me. But there was a groove in my brain that said, you should be afraid of a mouse. Fast forward to a couple of years ago, I was pulling into my driveway, and my wife said, hey, I... I think there's a bird's nest in the back of our mailbox. Can you go get it out of there? I said to our two oldest boys, I said, You guys, you wanna go see a bird's nest? So I went and got a stick. I went down, I opened up the mailbox, and I started poking at the nest just to make sure there were no baby birds in it. And as I was poking, I thought, Wait a minute, that's not a bird's nest. And right as I thought this, a mouse came around the corner and started running right at my face, which was blocking the entryway to the mailbox. It might have been a three inch little mouse. It looked like a lion rumbling down the mailbox right at my face. I yelled, Look out, and jumped out of the way. But my oldest son, who was just six years old at the time, he froze. I probably should have pushed him out of the way, but I'm telling you, it was every man for himself at that moment. And so the mouse came out, he jumped onto my son's eye, and then jumped down onto the ground and scurried away. There may be a permanent groove formed in my son's brain. But this is how it works. You grow up in an environment where there's a critical spirit, and it kind of just gets passed down. Or you grow up with a poor self-image and all of a sudden grooves begin to be formed. Author Tim Jennings says it this way. He says, Children who are raised in high stress, low-nurturing, or abusive environments experience overdevelopment of the fear and emotion centers, centers in your brain, and underdevelopment of the reason, love, and judgment centers. In other words, grooves were formed. Now you're an adult and you're going, well, I don't want to be anxious like that anymore. I don't want to think like that anymore. What can I do? Here's the good news. God has specifically designed our brains to be able to form new connections and pathways. God has designed our brains where we can grow new neurons. Scientists call this neuroplasticity. Before that term was even invented, however, here's what the Bible said thousands of years before. Paul wrote, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't allow this world to shape the grooves that are in your brain, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation can take place. You can change the way that you think. But how do you do that? Well, think about how you formed those grooves in the first place. They were formed through exposure. You had something happen to you that caused you to feel unsafe or anxious. You saw images online or in movies that got stuck into your brain. In the same way, if you wanna change your thinking, you need to stop exposing your brain to things that are making you anxious and fearful, such as maybe social media or the news or certain friendships. And you need to begin to widen your exposure to the truth of God. And if you did that, like water rolling down a hill, over time, new grooves would begin to form. Here's how Jesus puts this. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, you're truly my followers. And you will know the truth. And he says this, the truth will set you free if you believe something that's not true, it will imprison you. But when you know the truth and you believe the truth, it will set you free. Notice that this is conditional. He says, if you abide in my word. It means not everybody is going to know the truth. Not everybody is going to be set free. It's only those who abide in God's word. The word abide means to reside in or to live in. It's not something that happens once a year or once a month. It really is something that happens every day. I talk to people all the time who say I'm losing the battle in my mind and I don't have a, a magic pill for you. It takes every day picking a time, picking a place, sitting down, opening up your Bible and saying, God, would you speak to me? In fact, I had someone send me this picture on Facebook. It says, this is how I fight my battles. And it's on their Bible. And I love that. Because we don't fight our battles using human weapons and human ways. We fight our battles using God's weapons. We expose our mind to truth. Before I leave this point, I just want to point out that scientists have found that people with depression, oftentimes their brains are out of balance. You can actually see it in their brain. And it's one of the reasons why they give medication to try to get the brain balanced again. And I'm not saying that medication is a bad thing. For some people, it's necessary. But I do want to point out that there are some natural ways to begin to recalibrate your brain. And I say this because I don't want you to think, oh, just pray. Just just pray. Just read your Bible. You'll be fine. There's other factors involved. Are you getting sleep? Are you getting exercise? How's your diet? Are you getting some sunlight? Those are all factors for your brain getting balanced again. But at the very baseline, the very core, is you have to expose yourself to God's truth. Listen to a Christian podcast, put on some worship music, open up your Bible, and allow those new grooves to be formed. Here's the third way that you can win your battles. You have to choose prayer over worry. So several years ago, I I gave a message where I said, choose faith over fear, choose surrender over control, and choose prayer over worry. And I want to say that to you again. Some of us, you need to choose faith over fear. One of the verses I've been leaning on in this whole season has been in Psalm 20, where it says, some people trust in chariots, some people trust in horses. I'm going to trust in the Lord my God. Some people are going to trust in politicians. Some people are going to trust in elections. Some people are going to trust in experts or what medicine. or what Those are all good things. But I'm going to choose to trust in the Lord my God. I'm going to choose faith over fear. I'm going to choose surrender over control. The only safe environment is heaven. And so at some point in your life, you have to say, you know what, I'm going to choose surrender over control. And then finally, you need to choose prayer over worry. Several years ago, my wife was taking some sheets off of our bed and she was putting them down a clothes chute that we had at our house. And I don't know why she did this, but the first thing she put down the clothes chute was a pillow. And without waiting to see if that pillow miraculously made it three stories down to the basement... She just started piling sheets and blankets on top of it. The pillow did make it about 12 feet down a 25-foot chute, but that's where it got stuck. And every blanket or sheet that she put in after it, it got stuck as well. After getting about 10 feet worth of clothes stuck, she just walked away and thought, well, it will will fall down on its own. So I came home a few hours later, was going to put some clothes down the clothes chute and realized (laughs) it was completely jam-stuck. So I thought, okay, I gotta fix this. I I went and got a broom. I tried to jam it. I hit my head. I threw the broom in frustration. I then grabbed a pair of kitchen tongs and I went down and tried to pull them out, but it bruised my arm because I couldn't reach far enough. And finally, as a complete last resort, I had this idea. I went down to the basement and I got two 15 pound weights. I took the first weight and I just chucked it as hard as I could down the clothes chute, it got stuck. So I took a risk, I grabbed the second weight, I threw it as hard as I could down the clothes chute, and knocked the whole thing down to the basement. It was one of the best moments of my life. Kids, do not try this at home, okay? This is just drastic times. But it all went down, and I thought about it later, and I thought, you know, I wonder if that's how some of us are with our prayer life, that that we we think, you know what, I'll, I'll fix this. There's a problem in our life, and so we think, okay, I'll I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll talk to this person, I'll try to figure this out. And then if none of that works, as a last resort, we go, well, you know, let's just pray about it. I mean, maybe God can, can get us unstuck. And here's what I want you to hear today. Prayer is not a last resort. It's the first resort. Pray first. In fact, there ought to be a trigger in your brain that says, you know what, I just need to pray about this. What are those triggers? Well, anxiety, fear, problems or pain should all trigger something in you to pray. Philippians chapter 4 says this, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Isn't that a perfect message for us right now? Don't worry about anything, but just pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. If you do this, You will experience God's peace, which is more wonderful than the human mind can understand. He says, don't worry about anything. You say, well, I'm worried about a lot of stuff right now. Well, great, then then you should be praying about a lot of stuff. Some of the most godly people I know are those who have struggled with anxiety and fear throughout their life. But they have learned how to take their anxiety and fear and use it as a trigger to pray. They have learned how to choose prayer over worry. In fact, today I want to close with a song. And the song just says that we are going to see a victory. And I want to remind you of that today. That no matter how bad things might get in your life or in the country, you are going to see a victory. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, we know how the story ends. We know there is coming a day when darkness will not prevail. We know that God can take everything that was intended for evil and he can use it for our good. And so as we sing this song, I would love for you to just be asking God, God, I wanna see a victory. I wanna see a victory in my thought life. I wanna see a victory over my fear. I want to see a victory over my worry. God, I want to see a victory that you would provide for me in some way. And to be reminded that no matter what's happening in your life right now, no matter what's going through your mind, that we will see a victory. Let's sing this together.
1: Turn it for good. would you help us today to trust that truth to become a reality in our lives and in the world that we live in. Lead us today as we put our faith in you, our trust in you, that even the things that feel like they've been set up against us, God, that you would make something beautiful out of our reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.